What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Joseph Bohr Podcast on the JV Podcast Network. My friend Joey Arteague will be joining me today to talk about the brief time he spent with the Arizona Hotshots of the AAF, and then we're going to talk some sports business, specifically the stadium rights deals for the Oakland Raiders, the LA Chargers, the LA Rams, and the Golden State Warriors. But before that sit down, I want to assess Baker Mayfield and my Cleveland Browns so far through two games of this 2019 season. And then, back by popular demand, I will be wrapping the show up with my complaint of the week. All of that coming up, but first, enjoy this nice, smooth jazz. All right, so Baker and my Browns, they're off to a hot start. Best start since 2015, one and one. That's um, that's pretty good in Brown standards. So anyways, Baker has now played 16 NFL games. 15 of those are starts. And if you count the game in which he finished the game, came in relief for an injured Tyrod Taylor against the Jets last year on Thursday night, in those 16 games, Baker is 8-8. Eight and eight. He's completed 63.3% of his passes, thrown for over uh, 4,335 yards, thrown 29 touchdowns and 18 interceptions. Those are pretty good numbers through your first 16 games in the NFL. But what's been troubling so far about this Browns season is the Browns offense. Right now, they're a little lost. They have a lot of great pieces, but they have no identity. And I think you can really split the fault, the blame, whatever you want to label it as, three different ways. I think some of it goes on Freddie Kitchens. I think some of it goes on Baker Mayfield. And I think the rest of it goes on time. And all these three kind of work together. And as one improves, I think it helps the other and helps the other. It's sort of a domino effect. So let's start with the head coach, Freddie Kitchens. He's calling the plays. Last year, when he took over after Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley were fired, when he took over as the offensive coordinator, the Browns, they established Nick Chubb early and often. The first three games after Freddie Kitchens took over, Nick Chubb rushed the ball 22 times for 85 yards, 20 times for 176 yards, and 28 times for 84 yards. And later in the season, he went on to rush for two more 100-yard games in weeks 15 and 16. The Browns were 4-1 and one in those games. And what this did for the offense and for a rookie quarterback in Baker Mayfield was it set up play action and it made the defense have to play more on their heels. They weren't just gearing up for Nick Chubb and loading up the box and they weren't just gearing up for Baker Mayfield to drop back and throw the ball 60 times. So the Browns had a nice, they had a balanced attack. So this set up play action and made Baker's life way easier. And also, Nick Chubb is just really good, and I would like to see him have the ball more. Uh, so far through this year, he's been coming off the field on a lot of third downs, and it sounds like from Freddie, they're gonna try to keep they're gonna keep Nick Chubb on the field for more third downs, which I think is good because he's a very capable blocker. And he's also a very capable receiver out of the backfield, despite being able to run for power. He has good speed, soft hands, and can make people miss in the open field. So I think that's great, and I hope to see more of that Nick Chubb on third downs. Now let's talk about Baker. 
Versus Tennessee, the opener against the Titans, where he had three interceptions, he was pressing. The young, immature NFL quarterback that came out. Those three interceptions, they were a result of him rushing and pressing. And at least two of those interceptions, I believe two of those interceptions, if my memory serves me right, were him trying to make plays that just weren't there. The Browns, they were starting to lose momentum. Tennessee just scored. You know, they had that long 75-yard screen pass and went for a touchdown. He was like, I got to get this back. I'm a gunslinger. I have to get this back. But the thing is, you can't make up 10 points, 14 points. You can't make up two and three possession games in one throw. So he's trying to make throws that aren't there. And then the other interception was just him rushing. He's Odell Beckham Jr. was open enough. It was a throw that we've seen Baker make, but he flat out just didn't make it. And then versus the Jets, Baker had one interception, and it was a very dumb interception. He was trying to force the ball down to Odell Beckham Jr., and I get it. Odell Beckham Jr. makes quarterbacks look really good, and he makes plays that not many other receivers make. So I get giving him a chance. But even for this one, this ball was forced in there, down the field, it gets tipped up in the air, and it gets intercepted. Last year when Baker was on and he was playing his best, he took the underneath, the intermediate, and the check down throws. That's how a quarterback in the NFL raises their completion percentage, gets a reputation as being efficient, and ultimately wins games in this league. Now, I don't want to take all the gunslinger away from Baker Mayfield because some of that magic he creates and some of those throws he makes, that's just the kind of player he is. But I do want to take a little bit away. And I think Baker and Freddie are both a little bit at fault here because when you bring in a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., when he's arguably the best receiver in the NFL and he makes plays that probably only two others can make in the NFL, in the world... You want to call plays for him. You want to give him a chance. There may be two guys there and another guy hovering around, but sometimes you're going to throw the ball and you're going to give that receiver a chance because of his track record, because of his ability, because of his talent. So I get that. But sometimes you have to resist taking that sexy Ferrari sports car out for a ride that is Odell Beckham Jr., Sometimes you need to throw the intermediate ball to your Audi and Jarvis Landry or throw it underneath to your dependable Honda Accord that is Richard Higgins or dump it off to your gritty, tough Ford F-150 that's Nick Chubb. Sometimes you just have to do that. And I think in order for Baker to take the next step, because we do expect a lot out of Baker, and he had a terrific rookie season, breaking the all-time rookie touchdown, touchdown pass record with 27, Baker's going to have to take those throws. He's going to have to make those plays. And which leads me into my next fault here, time. Odell Beckham Jr. missed a lot of time. He wasn't at all the involuntary stuff. I'm not going to go into that. But he missed a lot of training camp, nursing that hip injury. And Freddie Kitchens is just two games into being an NFL head coach. And he's also calling the plays. The biggest job that he's had in the NFL was when he took over as the interim offensive coordinator for at the time, what was just a crapshoot, an absolute circus. What that that's what the Cleveland Brown what that's who the Cleveland Browns were halfway through last season before Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens took over. 
And like I said, Baker's now just started 16 games. Be patient. Practice patience. We expect a lot out of Baker. We think he can be an elite top quarterback for many years to come. He is our franchise quarterback. Don't get me wrong there. But be patient. The Browns, and it doesn't help that this whole first half of the year, the schedule was loaded. It's very, very tough. But if we practice patience, these guys start to settle in. They make these adjustments. The Browns, they will settle in and continue and, and start to play good football. So hopefully we see these adjustments because it doesn't get any easier. Sunday night football this Sunday, the LA Rams come to town. First Energy Stadium is going to be rocking. In my preview of the Browns season, I said that this is where the Browns are going to get humbled. But they already have been humbled by the Tennessee Titans when they blew us out by 30 on opening day. So we'll see. I think the Browns are going to put up a big fight. Can they win? Yeah. Will they win? I don't know. I predicted them to lose this game, but they have, they have already been humbled. And I feel like there's been enough tape out there and there's some things that have gone wrong. And it seems like at least in the media from Freddie and Baker, they're aware of these things and, and they're going to do their best to make those adjustments. So I just hope that the Browns play a sharper, crisper game, win or lose. It's game three of the season. I want to see them compete. This is a real test for our team and I'm really excited for it. Okay. Let's talk to Joey Arteague. Okay, so sitting right here now, Joey Arteague in studio. Joey, how has your life changed? How much have things been better for you since we brought home the championship in the old man Wednesday night F League basketball tournament? Things have changed uh, exponentially, and thank you for having me on, by the yes, way. Yes, of course. Thanks um, for being here. I, uh, I have just more energy when I'm getting out of bed in the morning. Um, I Give feel more, below. Feel more confident when I r- run the treadmill, getting ready with stamina wise for the next season. And uh, I don't feel as old as I maybe should or or do naturally uh, in my late 20s. And, uh, you know, that kind of time of your life when you start to just wake up with aches and pains and you don't really know where they came from. So our team name was Chops. My biggest regret from the basketball league, now that I think back on it, since we just wore plain white T-shirts I thought our team name should have been the Plain White Tees, and we should have walked out to Hey There, Delilah. Ooh. I think that's a big miss. Not bad. That hit me today. Not bad. There's varying degrees of uh, of shock value <laughs> and really not taking it seriously and then going out there and, and whooping some butts on the scoreboard. But And that's what I was going to say about the white T-shirts because yeah. that's usually against my – Every fiber in my being and my DNA being, you know, a, a jersey and uniform uh, nerd and a designer myself and loving the kind of, uh, you know, creative, uh, you know, display that goes into picking a uniform, even if it's something that's, you know, you know, purchased on like East Bay or off right. the scrap heap. We we did the white T-shirts, varying de- degrees and levels of uh, type of shirts, whether, you know, you go in sleeveless or right. uh, the, the undershirt, to use a politically correct term. Or <laughs> the wife beater. Whatever else, exactly. <laughs> or, and then everyone just passed the Sharpie around and, and yeah. put numbers ranging from double zero to 99 and go out there and wreck shop. I actually have a player comp for you. I was coming up with this. I couldn't come up with a lefty. I was pretty upset. <laughs> but P.J. Tucker, you guys, are t- you guys are tough. You guys play bigger than you are. You have nice touch from the outside. And what I think the biggest the, the biggest compliment to that is P.J. Tucker and you, you know, you guys are sort of enforcers, that defensive guy that isn't worried about being, you know, an option on offense but can make shots. But that's the type of guy that you need to win a championship. I so appreciate that. I, yeah. 
Oh, and a lot of sneakers too. You've never been in my closet because yes. that'd be kind of weird. But we don't. He has. We I've both, seen him. He's we both have an cool affinity stuff. for footwear. Yes. Um, but I, I think any of my basketball playing friends, uh, that we that we're mutual friends with, or even the guys that I played with in high school on 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 my my varsity team would laugh to hear you say that because that's definitely not how I used to play back then. <laughs> and I've gained a, you know a little bit of uh, PJ Tucker weight and. Yeah. And realize that uh, all the guys we play with are in way better shape than me, and they're way younger, and they're also way better. So uh, even though I wasn't gonna uh, lead the team in rebounding, you know, you got to box out. Right. You got to hit the corner three. You, you do gotta, the little you, things. You got to make good passes. You do the dirty yeah, stuff. Yeah. I PJ Tucker's great. I was kind of hoping for like a short LeBron at forty-five <laughs> when Bronny's coming off winning his second MVP and right. and going. They're going to NBA Finals games, and LeBron's trying to beat some sort of weird you know, ESPN graphic that's like, you know, pitting up Brady against, right. you know, up against LeBron as far as minutes played because they're going to go there sometime. Right. But uh, no, yeah, that's 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 a nice comp. I appreciate that. Of, of course, yeah. yeah. I was thinking, and, and it was because I was, as I often do, I go back and watch old Cavs highlights ah. because I just missed the days that were, and I was watching some Eastern Conference Finals okay. For when he was with the Raptors, right, and I was, I was like, oh, there's PJ Tucker in garbage time. Not and that anything he did or anyone else did no. mattered, because LeBron um, has the number of many Eastern Conference teams, yes. and will soon take aim with uh, some of the Western Conference teams who are, you know, talking crap. But you know, the Raptors are one of his whipping boys. Yes, the LeBron. Oh, Wizards, Wizards first first oh, first round that was great. Um, Bulls the the second and third rounds love the Bulls series because they. Uh, they would LeBron would kind of coax them to get, come through the doorway right. and then slam the door right in their right. face. Right, because you think back, I think it was that first Miami year. They 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 squared off in the Eastern Conference Finals. Derrick Rose. Yeah, forgive me, and, I'm I'm mixing those. Right, no, no, together. it's okay. They all kind of blend together. But that first year in Miami, Bulls Heat Eastern Conference Finals. The Bulls win that first game. Dramatic. That's when Taj Gibson had that poster on Dwayne Wade. Yep. You know, Chicago has the home court advantage. It's like, here we go, and then it was just. Four straight just beat downs. And in the fourth quarter, it was LeBron James on Derrick Rose. Oh, yeah. And he proved to everyone's like, hey, he may have the MVP, but the playoffs belong to oh. me. This is this is still my league. You bet. Uh whenever I think Finals Bulls were a different heat, story though. Whenever I think Bulls Heat uh with LeBron, I always think about the the John Lucas alley oop where oh my God. where LeBron jumped over another human being. That was all. That's always pretty it's good. Insane. Yeah, he's just looking there like, and then it's like the it's like the line from the other guys. It's like, oh look, he's flying, and then he just comes, <laughs> exactly. he just comes in. Exactly. It was like, what just happened? Two of the greatest uh, greatest uh, misnomer candidates for being in a movie and you know getting paid their million plus and right. ha- literally having. Like two seconds yeah. in the movie is is The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson, right? Yeah, that, those two guys. Yes, aim for the Great bushes. Movie. Aim for the bushes. Yeah. There goes my hero. The Ringer was just having uh, a debate about who are the best uh, bet. Who are the, like the, the kind of redundant here, but the best best buddy combos okay. in a pop movie. Yeah, and the other guys made the list. And I don't watch a lot of movies, but it, you don't need to because when you find a gem like the other guys, you just I was keep just watching it over and over and over again. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Just one of the best. Yeah. yeah. That's its own separate podcast. I have ideas on for this podcast too, not to go on too much of a tangent here, but 
Now, I don't know where seasonally I'm going to work it in. I just think there's some friends back home. So when I go back home sure. for Christmas break, and yep. that's a movie that we watch all the time together, I'm just going to have them on, and we're just going to do a whole... You, oh, if, if rewatchable. Yes, I was just about okay. to say, we're going to have our own yeah, rewatchables we'll of, some, the other, yeah. of the other guys. Yeah. Because it's amazing. Well, or like, you know, the requotables, something. Yes. Or how about just, you know... You know, the buddies in the game room. I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but it's like It'll the movies you could watch with your, your friends over and over again. And you know, one one where you, place you could go, and I always get fascinated by this too. Uh-huh. You know, when they're continuing to be bribed by uh, the ultimate, uh, <laughs> Mr. ultimately, yeah, the the villain in the movie. <laughs> yes, uh, they're you're, they're given tickets to various shows and events, including uh, the Knicks game. You know, there's yes. the, there's floor seats, and I I really love the dichotomy behind. Um, you know, you can spend all the money in the world on a movie, but there's some things that there's just going to be a governor on doing it right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you need to pull strings or levers. And I think professional sports is one. Like, you know, I don't really know the backstory behind them being at a Knicks game, but right. it looks pretty darn legit to me. Yeah. You take uh, that what the movie with, it's another Feral Wahlberg yes. uh, uh, movie where they... Um, Oh, Daddy's Home at the Pelicans game. And that was an actual halftime show. Yes. They said we're going to take halftime. Because that was going around on Twitter, and I was like, who is this? What's going on? I'm like, oh, no, it's Will Ferrell. Then I see it in the movie. Well, isn't that great about Will Ferrell, too? Because he also has a propensity. I mean, that was for the filming of a movie. But then we've seen him uh, wear the red jacket at Staples Center. And right. be a security guard at a Lakers game and see if anyone <laughs> notices. That's just the beauty of it's him. Crazy. But it's always I love get I love seeing those instances where y- you see the influence of of what people like. And I assume Farrell's a basketball fan. I know he's a football fan. I know Mark Wahlberg's a, a big sports fan. Right. And so it's like you never know if they look at a script and they say we should just we want we just don't want to write this in. Right. Because so. there's so many bad sports moments, cheesy sports moments in movies. Yeah. W- whether it's, you know, a guy playing a quarterback and he's supposed to be a stud and he doesn't know how to throw football. Yeah, there's clips. Or, or what's that? Uh, isn't there a Matt Damon movie? I heard him talk about it on his podcast with Bill Simmons. It was either this past October or no. Yeah, it would have been last October because October hasn't happened yet. Jeez. Um, he did a golf movie. He's like, you know this. Oh. Uh, he goes, you know this was bad. He goes, yeah, I never swung a club before in my life. Oh, I know. And then, <laughs> and then that clip was coming up around. I don't know if it was like a, a Friday Night Lights type of show. Mm-hmm. I, I oh yes, TV other than live yeah, the sports, quarterback. But yeah. he was a bad quarterback. Yeah. But you know, the one in the between of like, we're gonna get these people who have never played sports, or we're gonna be really strategic, work with the NBA, just do halftime shows, yes. get in, get out. Is you take a movie like Space Jam? Yes. Um, and there's a story for a different day on that with my dad, who uh, working in marketing with the Suns in the '90s and getting all the ducks in a row for the Suns Knicks game mm-hmm. that took place. Where you know, for all Space Jam aficionados out there, the Monstars taking the talents of Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley in the same game. Right. That didn't happen in an actual NBA game. Really. They did the the age old uh, bit where they get. X amount of thousands of people, they shoot scenes. Right, and they move the people. And they move the people. Yes. But you'll see about eight to ten NBA players in that scene, and you'll see other guys that that I could certainly point out and other keen fans that aren't NBA players because they just have to fill in benches and whatever and and get it to work, but they made it look pretty good. Oh, for sure. And I like that kind of thing. Absolutely. So. So sticking with sports now, but let's talk about football. Our ASU Sun Devils, 3-0, number 24 in the nation, coming off of a huge win east in East Lansing at Michigan State. Yep. Is this the big that's this is the biggest road football win for ASU since probably Jail Mary USC, right? I think so. 
And I think well, there really hasn't been a big road sure. win no, there, since then. There really hasn't, and and I I think based on it's funny if you put if you put the the wins and the scope and what's on the line up against each other, you can make a case for you know this being the biggest win on the road since then. But but I think the undertones of it make it you know undeniable where you don't even need to do any research because of not because of what we just did, but what we because of what we're on the precipice on. Right. Now, of course, I say that if you had asked me after that win, you know, w- will this be a turning point? I'd probably say, absolutely. We finally won in Southern California. Recruits are going to look at this. But that pales in comparison to who we know is on our staff, who we, we know is on our roster, how young they are, where we're at with, with recruiting in terms of keeping up with the Joneses. You talk about a new facility. You talk about a stadium that's up to par. It just... What you need is the cherry on top, but this is more of of the whipped cream or the favorite yes. you know ice cream ingredient in the Sunday because the winning is is going to be what's paramount and and the sniffing uh you know of 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 big games late in the year or national prominence with a number next to your name. I mean, I I, I go through these these games with people who are betting on it or or you know fantasy football even in college now on Yahoo and everything else. And these games that people are looking at, these pick'em contests, your eye just gravitates towards these games or these teams that have numbers next to their names and teams that are ranked. And if we go on the road and do something that opens the eyes of a really apathetic East Coast bias, asleep at a certain time on a Saturday night, you know, voting crew, yes. um, that's big. And you know where else I, I really like to see it is the coaches' poll. Uh, just because, you know, if you look at what's happening in Arizona football – you know, there are people who really uh, resent Cliff Kingsbury and where he is and what he's been afforded. Whereas I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't like Herm unless yeah. they're just flat out jealous of the pub. Right. Because he's not going to do anything to alienate you. He's someone that some of these people have called for advice. He's some of these people who, so, he's someone who met some of these coaches have looked up to in the past. He's someone who people have watched eating their cereal. They, they feel a connection to him. Right. And so the coaches think, I think too, you know, it, it, I, I think if we would have, if everything was the same except for Herm, everything, and we go and we win this game and Todd Graham is the coach, not because they dislike him, because, because he's not Herm, I could see us not being ranked and being all those weeks in the Graham regime when we would we'd talk about, what the hell, man? Yeah. We're 5-0. and Maybe we've played some cupcakes, but we've beat two Pac-12 teams, and we were scoring 50 a game. Maybe that's a little high. And we're not ranked. What's the deal about it? Right. That takes me back to my freshman year. We start off 3-0, and obviously we win. I think that first league game was USC, and we laid, we laid an egg in, in L.A. But, yeah, we, we weren't ranked. We were super close to being ranked, and we won those – First three games we beat. Uh, I think that was the year when Mahomes came here and uh, Kalen Balaj just mm-hmm. out touchdown him. It, mm-hmm. it was crazy, but you know we had some quality wins there in non-league play, and then you don't you don't see a ranking. Isn't it amazing when you you feel those see those games too? And who knows how Kalen's going to do? And if uh, you know uh, the running back ahead of him, Kenyon Drake is going to get traded, and how his career is going to go. But you're sitting there and you're in the moment, and you know who's who and Mahomes passes from all the for all these yards. Is it smoke and mirrors? You're tired of people talking about how good looking Kingsbury is because you're just, jealous and it doesn't matter. But you just because he wears sunglasses at night. Of course, <laughs> you fast forward and where everyone is, it almost. It, it, I'm getting introspective here, but it kind of gives. It, it it almost is a, just a testament to you. Just never know where you're going to go and where you're going to land, and you know you work hard and 
and be in the right place at the right time, good things happen to you. And, you know, those cases of, of people on that football field that night were all doing what they're doing on a big, big scope. But, mm-hmm. you know, you and me, it's like you just never know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you never, uh, you know, going back to the Graham Harrells and, and the guys who I've grown up with who were in these big offenses the last 15, 20 years, you, I don't know how they're going to translate to the NFL. I don't know if it's all system, all the Washington State guys. And I think the scouts and and the coaches, if they're giving truth serum, they didn't know either. They can have an idea based on film and right. being professionals. But you never know. And Pat Mahomes was like another one of those guys where it was like, okay, so he throws for 475 yards a game. But they didn't win. Not only did they, they were, not win, but very yeah, mediocre. yeah, but but Kingsbury was doing that with quarterback after quarterback, and right. so to see him to see him be a product of that, I think the the Gardner Minshews and the guys like that the who second, come after don't him, the second it, it, Gardner it, Minshew it, too, it, it adds uh, to the legend. I, I think I think guys like that have him to thank. I mean, yeah, who is it? It's Luke Falk, Gardner Minshew too. Yeah, am I missing anybody uh, from Washington State alone who are getting these opportunities? I, I can't remember, but wait. Who, who, you said Gardner Minshew. Who's the other name? Luke that you, Falk. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. He was and, with the and, Jets, you know, right? He wouldn't be yeah. playing unless Sam Darnold had the kissing disease. But yeah, uh, he is. Right. And so that, that's not his fault. Right. Um, but th- I'm just saying. No, that, I don't think so. As of right now, I don't think you're missing any names. Like beforehand, but they have another prospect. They have another good quarterback under center right now for them. I don't know who his name is, but he's pretty good. But but beforehand, the Graham Harrells and these top ten in passing yards and NCAA histories who get the opportunities on training camps, those opportunities are few and far between. So before we get into some sports business here, um, or, or some more specific topics, uh, can you just give us a little background when we were talking off mic before, you know, graduated from ASU, yep. you know, how, how did you start out? You started with the NBA mm-hmm. league officer. So mm-hmm. you were in New York City right out of the way, and you're from here. You're home- homegrown Born in Arizona. yeah. And now you head over to New York City. Had you, had you spent any significant time in New York City before barely. moving there? Yeah, barely. And I, like you said, it was a native through and through, born and raised here, um, the son of two natives, which which is like a unicorn. No one's Whoa, from yeah, here. Yeah, no, it's so many transplants. Um, and they both went to A, went to ASU. So that's where my love of the Sun Devils, you know, came from. They met at ASU. So I go to ASU. And my experience in, you know, going away, leaving home, jumping out of the nest, going away for college even, that was my experience is leaving right after I graduate for a job in New York City with the National Basketball Association. And that really came about from my love of sport, my love of sport business, sports business, and, um, you know, having a goal and just trying to achieve it. And, you know, my goal was big, hairy, and audacious, but it was a little bit uh, less defined. It was, I know I want to work there. I know what my skill set is, but it, I didn't say I want to be an official. Okay. I didn't say I want to be, you know, a, a lawyer for them. I didn't think I wanted to be in, you know, basketball ops or sponsorship sales per se. I just knew I thought I had something that I could offer, um, you know, to the league. And so that was birthed out of uh, spending my whole second semester of my senior year coming up with a marketing campaign. Uh, I just came out, came to my mind. I had a graphic design degree that I was nearing completion on, and so I had the des- requisite design knowledge. And so I said, well, I'm going to take my ideas and just make them come to life. Mm-hmm. So I put together this marketing plan, showed it to some people I had an ear with that said, you know, this is actually pretty good. Um, I literally went to Alpha Graphics, bound it up, sent it to the NBA, 
Um, had some help in getting it in the right hands, but you know that's all that's all that is. It could be used as a paperweight or thrown away before it's opened with with who I send it to. I addressed it to Adam Silver, and I sent it probably in in March or April. And I didn't hear back from June until I got this random call from New Jersey, and it was you know my ultimate boss, who was the vice president of creative services, and she said, "Hey, we saw what you did. We we really liked it. Uh, you wouldn't by chance want to come to, for an interview, would you?" And and little did she know, my sister and brother in law were living there at the time. So okay. I I thought all I needed is a plane flight because I can I can go stay with them. Right, and, and I can fi- I have someone there. I can figure it out. From yes, there. just yes. get me to New York yes. City. So I called her bluff in a way. I think she might have been doing someone else a favor, but she said, "All right, then come." I have an interview. It goes well, and she you know goes, "You wouldn't want to live here, move here, work with us, would you? We need some help." And I said, "Believe it or not, I would." Yes. So made the arrangements. Ended up living with. My sister Jesse and her husband, and I was out there August first. Wow! Um, and so my summer was preparing for a big move, buying a jacket, saying goodbye to friends. I thought I'd never say goodbye to, and I and a, and a place I'd never thought I'd say goodbye to, and I moved out there. So I spent wow. one season with the NBA. Um, it was fantastic. It was the year. Uh, it was the fourteen fifteen season, which I believe was the first Cleveland trip to the finals against yes. Golden State. Yes, Kyrie was. was hurt. Yep. Kevin Love was hurt. That's Everyone right. was hurt. Ky- Kyrie played hurt. Kevin Love couldn't play. Right. Kevin Love got Kelly Olenek, ripped his arm out of his socket, just ripped up his shoulder. That was a that was in game four against Boston, yep. which the Cavs won. They move on. Kevin Love's done. Kyrie Irving was was off. He had knee troubles, and mm-hmm. then I think you know from compensating. I mean, a, as you do when you have a hurt knee and you're limping around, it kind of threw off things in his right. head. So he was banged up. But that's when the legend of my favorite player, Matthew Dellavedova, came about, <laughs> exactly. which I loved. I love Delhi. Exactly. I st- still rock my Delhi jersey all the time. Um, and then ultimately, Kyrie breaks the kneecap sure. in, in game one, and it just sucks because he played so well, and it happened in overtime. And I really believe that. The Cavs would have won. You know, I, I wouldn't change it because after losing and then coming back and then what happened in 2016, right. I wouldn't change anything. But I really believe that if they had it, if LeBron had at least Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love, if just if just give us one of those guys, especially Kyrie, mm-hmm. I really think they would have won because they oh, played yeah. five. You know, they love they lose in six, and five of those games were really competitive. Well, what is so different, or what what is so what 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 wasn't at stake or, you know, involved in that series that, that we didn't have in the series where Cleveland ultimately prevailed. I mean, if, if you look at you, if you look at the rosters at full health, if, if Love and, and Kyrie were at full health, you, you do think that they, they could have had a chance. But, you know, like anything else, you know, I think tasting the defeat really made Kevin Love and Kyrie better players. Right. Um, and I think it, it, it really supercharged LeBron as if he needs any extra motivation. or Yeah. As, you never think he can go to another level, but then he does. Right. Um, and it was a thrill. It was a thrill being involved because, you know, the All-Star game was held in New York City. So we're in our yeah. backyard. I got to be, you know, really involved there and, 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 you know, got to brush elbows with those guys. And it was a lot of fun having, you know, the, the biggest stage for basketball in such a great city and a great venue with MSG. There's um, probably no better place to see a game. Basketball. Oh, it was awesome. A- MSG's probably was the awesome. best. I've only been there to see, so I've seen three games there. It's awesome. So I saw Suns Knicks when the Suns came cool. to town. That was great. And then I saw the All-Star game there. That's oh, obviously that's a great. Awesome. And, you know, the the game was okay. And the All-Star game and the NBA draft are my two favorite days of the year. Okay. 
But again, the game was just okay compared to at every timeout, dead ball almost, they had a Broadway act. No way. Waltz out there and sing a song or do whatever. Wow. So on that stage that they always put off to yes. the side. So that was cool. That's really and cool. And then, you know, for that whole week, I was watching Ariana Grande and all these other artists practice their stuff yep. for, and I don't want to just say the halftime show because there's so many different breaks in the action. Right. Turner's coverage. And there's all, so much pageantry yeah, in so, the introduction of it. But her, yeah. you know, just go through the your choreography and all the other stuff and then having her perform and she's amazing and it was just so cool. Yeah, because there's superstars on the floor. There's superstars at halftime, at the dead balls, at the pregame. There's superstars that are spectators. I mean, oh, it gosh. is just superstar galore. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the, 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 there's stories that I, I almost don't like to tell because I get bored hearing, but it's like, you yeah. know, Michael Rappaport asking you for, you know, where where to, you know, where's this, where's that? Yeah. And I, I, he, I wasn't the person directly responsible, but he'd be like walking this way. Where's... Where's the locker room for the yeah. rising or the um, the celebrity game? You just right. point that way. One quick note though about being in the bowels of, of you're uh, like you're not playing in that, are you? Yeah. No, don't you understand? It's for celebrities. It's a celebrity game. Exactly. Rappaport. It's for people who actually are important and people care about. But I I saw uh, it was my first chance to get to meet Darren Rovell and I've met him a couple okay, times. Cool. And I'm walking through the bowels of MSG and I'm I'm a big Rovell fan. So it's me, his mom, his wife, and his kids who who are who are his mm-hmm. only fans. And I and I and I'm and I see him from a mile away, uh, but in this down this long hallway. But I could just tell it was him, and he was like a statue. He had his his bag like pulled around to the front of him uh, over his arm, and he was looking at something. And I just walked up to him and said, "Hey, Mr. Ravel, uh, this is gonna sound weird, but I'm a big fan of yours. I have your tweet notifications on. This is my first year working for the NBA. I went to ASU." And he was a little caught off guard at first, but very nice. And he goes, you want to see something cool? And I kind of was like, sure. And he kind of revealed what he was looking at. And it was like a sporting news magazine. Like it looked like kind of, you know, it's like they have the quarterly newspaper, right. uh, newspaper, you know, um, material magazines that I don't even know if they produce anymore. But he had one and it was from the same date as the night I met him. I was staying right there with him Interesting. from 1997. And he goes, this, you know, sporting news is from tonight, 18 years ago. Yeah. I have an So it's like one of his tweets came to life. Boom. He goes, I have an intern who goes on eBay with my company card at at ESPN at the time and goes and buys stuff for me. You know, he he vets vets it with me first, but he knows after getting to know me what I'm looking for. And, you know, I I can't remember what he showed me, but he – I thought it was like literally out of a movie. But he he showed me – he goes, look, you know, Charles Smith with the Knicks is looking for a trade and is going to go to the Bahamas during All-Star Weekend to clear his mind and, you know, is it worth a tweet? Maybe not, but he's really upset that they – that they're that they're looking to extend him for anything less than a million dollars, and it's like, wow. you know, Charles Smith didn't make a big impact in the NBA, but there, here's a guy who is a rotational player for a team that ultimately made the finals that year, and he's mad because they they're like, we want to extend you, but we're not going to pay you a million dollars a year. You know, it's going to be for eight hundred or whatever. So it's just that kind of stuff. It made me appreciate more of what he does. And right. It's okay to be a cornball as long as you're doing what you love. But he, that was that was one of my most fun. Uh, you know, brushes with with that. that so. That's so cool. And, and I think what's so important is you never would have had that experience if you really didn't take matters into your own hands. Now, obviously, you know, creating that project, sending it out to the NBA is a long shot, but th- there's no harm in trying that no. stuff. And I'll never forget. So I'm in this 
in this club here at ASU Sports Business Scholars. It's amazing. It's a group of like 20 of us, and we go on sports business outreach trips. We get yep. matched up with executive mentors, uh, you know, our, our advisors, extremely connected, brings in amazing speakers. Mm-hmm. Can't say enough awesome stuff about the organization. And I'll never forget my freshman year, I had just gotten in, we, you know, interview like in January and I found out I was going to be in in March and they were taking a trip to the Suns to talk to the assistant GM at the time. And I'll never forget, you know, what he said. He goes, you know, you know, I, I was, I think I was the only freshman in there. He, you know, you know, you know, who, who are seniors, who are juniors, sophomores, do we have any freshmen, whatever. He goes, especially for you younger guys, you don't have as much on your resume. So what you have to do is find out what you want to do or what you think that you want to do and take matters into your own hands. You know, if you want to, you know, be a lawyer or whatever, you know, whether it's reaching out, job shadowing or doing own projects on your own, like that's what I'm doing with this podcast. Like this is, this is my own thing here, but I ultimately know I want to work in, you know, the, the digital media space and have my own podcast one day. So what the hell stopped me? And I'll never forget, you know, him saying that really sparked me and, you know, just to really start doing my own stuff because, you know, it's, especially if you want to work in media, you know, you're not going to go, you know, work for a company and they're just going to give you a podcast. You got to get reps on your own and get better at it. And then it's good to get those internships or make those connections because then you can say, hey, here's what I've already done. You know, maybe I haven't released it yet or I'm just doing it on my own, whatever. I'm just messing around. And then you make those connections, and that's when you can get valuable ears on it and right. get valuable feedback. So when, when I hear people say that, it really just kind of takes me back to that freshman year, you know, hearing <laughs> him say, you know, if you want to do this or if you want to be a scout, make up your own scouting reports. You know, go and find right. g- go and find ways, e- even if it's guys you don't need scouting reports so on. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Can I tell you quickly yeah, what I did? No, go for it. All right. So love for everything sports, love for everything basketball. I don't know how I came to this conclusion or even why I was, you know, sitting there with my half-baked ideas. And by the way, I don't know if you ever hear Bill Simmons when he has Kevin Wilkes come on the podcast and do half-baked ideas. Oh, yeah. but I, uh, I listen to Simmons are, religiously. Those are so great. And, you know, uh, there's another uh, way back in the in the BS or the Bill Simmons podcast. So when he had first joined ESP or HBO and started The Ringer, there's an interview with, with Chris Saka. And Chris Saka talks about... Um, you know, not so much half-baked ideas, but what they do is have these jam sessions where he gets the smartest people he knows and he has them over for, for lunch. And it's a little contri- contrived, but he's like, we got to focus here. I'm buying your lunch. I have these topics up. Can we just talk about them? And sometimes there's a scribe, you know, letting every or, you know, typing up what everyone's saying. Most of the time it's just recorded. But right. I, I don't know how I was thinking about this one day, but I thought to myself, you know, we see the, the projections mounting, you know, the, the the projection that they that the NBA teams were starting to do on the courts, pregame and whatnot. We've seen what they've done in soccer, which, by the way, is a very innovative sport. Um, we've just we've seen what the opportunities are for what can be, be done in broadcast. Um, I was starting to learn in my internship with Sun Devil Athletics, that sports was all about making money. I know yeah. that sounds really ridiculous, but it, it took it takes any any fan, diehard fan, a while to realize that. But I was starting to, so I'm watching a TNT broadcast. I'm thinking about where, what the areas were to monetize a, a game, and I thought to myself, you know, whether or not this was necessary based on technology. What if one team bucks the trend and puts a green screen type green rectangle? Uh, painted down on their court at center court instead of their team logo. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, they could do a lot of things on that. Yeah. 
they could mount stats. Yep. They could show a highlight of the last play, and they and they could you know here's the ding. They could put sponsorship advertising there, whether it be moving or just stagnant. You know, Kia logo here. Yeah. You know, T-Mobile. You can get creative uh, call to action the... there. And the biggest part of that is, Joey, wouldn't it be distracting? Maybe for the end user, for the listener, for the watcher. Right. But think about everybody in the uh, in, in in the arena, including and most importantly the players. Aside from the green, um, you know, screen, if you will, being ugly and unbecoming, the players wouldn't notice it. Uh, they bounce no. the ball on and any type of surface they they need to, and they certainly don't worry about the, what the jerseys look like or what the court looks like or anything like that. So that's the idea I had. Then I just got out Photoshop yeah. and I found what I needed and put it together as you know what you should do to make more money, NBA. You should do this, and I did it around All Star Weekend, saying, "Hey, if you, if you're reticent to just roll this out uh, cold turkey." Um, why don't you just try it uh, on uh, one of your nights with the biggest stage? You can charge all your advertisers 10x to say you're on the court during the game. It's rotating. We can show stats. We can show points leaders. We can show the play. You know, if the camera's moving towards one side and you're showing a play that just happened, it's it's it it's it's taking away from Twitter. It's taking away from these 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 platforms where people can go away to look at something else. So that was my thought. You didn't even put tweets. And so I put that package together and sent it off to them, and it was around the All-Star game, and they kind of just bought it. Yeah. Um, and so my, my, my thought is, you know, go, go do things with continuing education. Um, if you watch YouTube videos about how people scout, if you read old scouting reports, if you go on eBay and search in old NBA scouting reports – and find someone's great grandfather's from 1982 that she's just trying to get rid of, and maybe she thinks she can make $18 on. Go buy that. Yeah. Because the resources that make you birth the idea is the hardest part to me. Because in every time part of the ideation from the idea to getting the job, I've had all sorts of uh, objections, and I'm able to very quickly overcome objections that you know my peers have had with I don't know design. You hire a designer on Fiverr. I mean, I don't, I don't have the money to, you know, bound these books without graphics. You go work for Lyft, you know, drive for Lyft or whatever it is. The, the most important part is birthing these ideas, but they're really with the internet, no excuses, not to get your creative juices flowing. Absolutely. I mean, it's like if you don't have the money to go to go to a gym, you wanted to get fit badly enough, you would just do lunge lunges and and push-ups. You, yeah. There's there's ways to you learn find it out. and be inspired enough to have that that idea. Right, and th- that's what I do for this. Th- that was the idea of why I decided to name this podcast the Joseph. I've done podcasts before. I, I did one. I, I really started because I was in, inspired by a couple things. N- number one, to do the podcast, a couple Phoenix guys, Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry. You bet. When they when they were with the Cavs, you ever listen to Road Trippin'? Absolutely. It's amazing, and I loved it because this was my team. It was the year after the championship, and they were having Kyrie on. They were having LeBron on. It's like I've never heard <laughs> these huge these oh. these huge superstars on a podcast in, in in just a you know uninterrupted way, you know, like uninterrupted. And I was like, this this is amazing. And they're with their teammates, they're with their guys that they're comfortable with. So the content is amazing and really not stuff that you can get anywhere else because it's a couple of teammates, a couple of NBA guys talking with other NBA guys, and they're just comfortable. They're teammates, they're, they're homies, they're friends, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And, and, and I'm just like, okay, 
boom, I'm going to, I want to start my own podcast. You know, I'm like, okay, what does that cost? What do I have to do? What do I have to figure it out? I found out that, you know, and then I, I did it. It was at the very end of my freshman year. I decided I had like 20 bucks left on this Amazon gift card I got for my birthday. I bought a cheap, cheap mic on Amazon. I downloaded Audacity, which was a free software. And I found that you can upload so much uh, data to SoundCloud <laughs> for free before you have to pay for it. I'm like, perfect. This gets me started you bet. right here. And then, you know, how do I get better? I'm not, I'm not a journalism major. I'm a sports business major. How do I get better? Well, just listen to podcasts and really, and just watching people on TV and just listening to, and, and listening to them and then going for it, seeing what I got and then using, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the um, contacts that I made, you know, Hey, can you please listen to this? Give me some be- feedback. Yeah. What do you think? Or, or giving it to some friends or some parents or whatever. And just like, Hey, would you listen to this? Do you think this is enjoyable to listen to whatever? And then now circling back to this, you know, bigger project that I'm doing. Cause I've, you know, I got more technology now, I'm more comfortable. Um, I have more of the resources and sort of the behind the scenes editing, um, capabilities and things like that because of internships that I've had. Yeah. And then like we keep mentioning Bill Simmons and the ringer, that's what gave me the inspiration to not only name it after myself, but I'm like, that's genius because, you know, you're creating your own brand. And, I thought and, and, it was just for people named Joseph. Yeah. No, personally. I yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, um, and then it's just wide open because originally I, I loved my original podcast name. It was the perfect Cleveland. It was 16 Sundays in hell, which absolutely describes anyone who's a Browns fan. Cause every Sunday, at least my entire childhood has just been awful. <laughs> I love that, but I but I love this now because I'm following sort of the Bill Simmons method because what I love to consume is long-form interviews. And Bill, because of his, you know, contacts when he was at ESPN and he worked for HBO and wrote for Jimmy Kimmel Show, you know, he has athletes on, he has writers on, directors on, you know, actors on. It's just incredible. And just like that setup and seeing what he's been able to do and create has been totally my inspiration, like, podcast-wise. Yeah. It's just... um I just think what those guys do is great and, you know, podcasts are free and, you know, it, it really doesn't take that much to get to get started up. So, like you said, I mean, you can you can find a way to uh, to 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 get to get working on the on, on the track that you, you want to go. Yeah, it's it's there's the barriers of entry are are I'm, I can't call them zero, but they're point zero 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 one. That's for sure. Let's talk some AAF. So you work for the Hot Shots. Yep. What I really don't know where I want to go with this. Uh-huh. I, I just the league didn't work out ultimately. April second, five p.m. five p.m. That's when the league stopped. Yep. Did you see it coming? I mean, obviously it was out there that you know some guys or most guys hadn't been paid yet. Like yep. like were there warning signs? Were the investors were they really all in on this? Was it just not popular enough? I mean, what went wrong? And could you sense it? It's hard to separate uh, the warning signs from what hindsight lends credence to. Um, And what I mean by that is there were natural growing pains with a startup league that, you know, vacillated between football league and sports corporation. Um, It, 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 it was a case where there were, there were, there were your natural, it's taking, there were your natural speed bumps with, uh, you know, I hired a vendor for something. It's taking them pretty long to get paid, and they reach out to me. Yes. Not unlike anything I've, I haven't experienced at other jobs. Um, I was never uh, stiffed. I got every paycheck uh, on time that I was ever expecting. 
Um, there were a couple things that they pulled back on after week one. We we chartered as a team to uh, Memphis. is actually week two um, for our first road game. After that, I wasn't to go on th- that plane again. Um, there, there, and you know, it's so funny. We already chartered the plane. That seat just sat empty, but I, it wasn't a hotel room. It wasn't yeah. a stipend for meals, all that stuff. Um, you know, there were police escorts first couple weeks for the, for the players. We had to ratchet that back. And, you know, I don't think there's that any one of us were being naive and saying we, we should see these as warning signs. I think that we, uh, were trying to find, we, as in the, the league higher ups were trying to find that right, um, balance between, being uh, judicious and saving money with uh, what what ultimately Charlie Ebersol hired Bill Pullian for, which was running a a professional football organization. One thing people don't even really know about it, and it's just nuts and bolts. But Bill Pullian didn't even have an AAF email. Bill Pullian's wow. sole focus was saying, "Hey, if you want this to be credible, if you want the coaches and the players to feel like they're in a professional football organization." I'm going to tell you, give you an enormous punch list of things that need to be there, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to move off of my stance on any of this. And what were some of those things? Do you know? Oh, what's well, the things like? You know, we've got a charter. Things yeah. like, and this sounds crazy, but we've got a charter. We've got to do police. So it's just got to be like first class. Yeah, first yeah. class. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. And and and. and um, and there's some, some, you know, stuff with, you know, the, the television and, and keeping them out peripherally, uh, of, of certain things and not letting them go certain places and whatever else. And not that if he was more lax on that, we would have somehow generated more revenue to keep us afloat. Um, but there were some, some revenue generating ideas that we had that had to be ratcheted back. They involved the playing surface. You know, it wasn't wacky waving inflatable tube men at the 50 yard line, but it was, <laughs> it was things about, you know, trying to get advertisements as close to po- as possible or things of that nature. And, and, you know, he, he wasn't so steadfast on, um, keeping that out, you know, with the visual side of things or the way the product looked, but he was just, he was just to his credit. I don't think to a detriment trying to make the league be credible to its coaches, its players, the officials, the the um, the team officials, the scouts, everything else, so that when the NFL came in for that first week, those NFL scouts, of which there were many, mm-hmm. um, they'd keep coming back, and so that was what ha- was happening all all at that time. When we got the word uh, on April second that things were were going awry, day before my birthday, we had our final meeting with a birthday cake for for me when we all said goodbye the yeah. next day. The 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 tweet came out and I was in our leadership group the youngest person and the only person who looked at Twitter and the stuff that we didn't find out you know via press release before the embargo was lifted or whatever that we'd find out like anybody else I would be the one to be like hey guys guess what well that was a case where I had to be like hey guys guess what and you know the way the first tweets filtered out it honestly wasn't unlike some of the things we've learned before and, you know, I showed it to our team president. He said, pump the brakes, not because of how I was acting or whatever, but he said, yeah, we'll see. Um, and then, you know, I think he was trying to put on a brave face, kicked me out, called some of his team president buddies, and then he ultimately got us together. Because um, I think it was 5 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. when the um, press release went out, 2 or 3 p.m. But, but this tweet came out about 
11 15 ish pacific time and so that's when we were finding out right before lunch but it, it was there was a little bit of shock i didn't i didn't feel at all like this was like damn i should have known better than taking this opportunity and i maybe i'm you know get, get, getting the punchline out too fast because i know we we'll want to talk about it a little bit more but i would not uh, hesitate doing it all over again even yeah. if i knew what i knew um, and there's story after story and anecdote after anecdote to support that. But it was, yeah, it, there was nothing really to tell me that, that it was going to happen the right. way it did. Do you think a non-NFL football league like the AAF or the XFL, do you think those could ever work if they're not supported and backed by the NFL and the players and, you know, have some sort of farm system, you know, feeder league set up, if they're totally separate? Because I feel like, the NFL and the players kind of push back on that. And obviously the players and, you know, the AAF, you know, the, what was the AAF, they would much prefer it that, you know, it sort of plays as a farm system. They want to know they have a chance, even though a lot of the players, I know at least mm -hmm. the Browns third string quarterback, a kid at some, from the same high school as Baker Mayfield playing the AAF. And yeah. now he's on in, you know, like him. And there's many other Bingo. cases yeah. um, like that, you know, if you're talented enough, you know, whether they're associated or not, you're going to find your way, um, you know, on an NFL roster, if you know you have good tape out there and you're talented, obviously. But um, do you think a league like that could ever work if that continues to, you know, to be completely separate and there's no sort of feeder or farm system set up? No. Um, separately, I think the XFL will work in its current form. And by work, I, I consider it working if it, if it does two things. If it lasts more than one season, I'm actually got these out of order. But if it lasts more than one season and if it gets players to the NFL, I'm very certain it's going to get players to the NFL based on what we did, which made us a success, so to speak. Mm -hmm. We didn't last longer than a year, which is why I kind of put that other caveat on the XFL saying last more than two seasons. But I, I did knee-jerk just say no when you asked me because long-term, with the caveat you put at the end of your question, long-term it cannot succeed – without the NFL being copacetic with what's going right. on. So what you need to do, as you as in um, the XFL, and what we were trying to do is, I don't know if it was, you know, trot along or limp along to the end of this collective bargaining agreement with the NFL and the Players Association and try to weasel our way into the next one, but that's what they have to do. They have to make it to those negotiations. You know, even still... They're going to be talking about this. They could be talking about it for years, uh, you know, the, the Players Association and the NFL. They could be talking about it for, for months or for weeks or for days. But for however long they talk about this new deal, that I know is going to be, let's just call it if it's 10 days, I know it's going to only come into the, the lexicon or the discussion on day eight or day nine. Because once they have all the way more important stuff so, sorted out, then they're going to get into... What about the insurance for these XFL players? What about the where these uh, players are um, allocated to? There's not 32 XFL teams. There never right. will be. What about uh, their compensation? What about um, can can it be a can it be a, a you know kind of a you know, transactional give and take where um, we don't just have our XFL players over here and our NFL players over here, but we can send a guy down. Um, you know, like a Kyle Allen or somebody else who needs yeah. more film, Will Greer, Kyle Allen's backup on Carolina, right. send him down to get more film, to get more seasoning, run the offense we want to run. They, there's a lot of things to talk about. And so what I'm saying is 
get guys to the NFL, you know, last a couple more years, last until another CBA discussion, and then all that has to get sorted out, and I still think it's pretty messy. Yeah. My goodness. Okay, so, but let's move on now. Let's talk some stadium rights deals. Let's start with the Oakland Raiders, who are soon going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Moving to Vegas. When's the last time you've been to Vegas? Have you seen any of this construction yet? Um, I don't think I've been there. Uh, you know, I've been there once and it, since I've seen kind of and a you've bowl kind of that's seen being it a little bit. There, yeah. yeah, I've s- it's made some progress. I was um, oddly enough last year work and then fraternity formal, so I saw it a little bit there, and that was like twice in a month. Yeah, that I saw it, and now I think I'm starting an annual thing. I'm going to be going for work. I'm supposed to go next week. Then at the end of October, I'm going back for fraternity formal. So this is going to yeah. be my uh, second During football season. My, good for you. My second annual let's see how, how i don't want to word this my second annual two vegas trips in a month in autumn trip so yeah something like that i'm gonna make a t-shirt and everything i, I think but, you should but I, i'm excited to see the progress on it uh 1.9 billion dollars and now they have a name allegiant stadium allegiant air it's headquartered there in vegas um 20 to 25 million dollars a year for the naming rights before we get into the stadium and all that stuff that's um, a lot of plane flights yeah it's pretty funny. Um, the article that you sent me, have you seen that? Have you seen what people are saying? Have you ever flown a Legionnaire? I haven't. Yes. One. Well, yeah. I, I flew it to Oregon. Okay. Once. They've got a lot of flights to... Uh, How is it? No offense to Oregon. Random parts of the country. How is it? Fine. Nothing to write home about. Okay. Not first class. Right. Not even Southwest. Yeah. I'm gonna see. I love Southwest. I live by Me Southwest. Too. I mean, that wasn't a, that backs. wasn't the grading okay. Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, yeah. I just want to make sure. No. 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 Just in Southwest case Southwest is, all is I listening. Fly. That's all I yeah, do. Yeah. If you're listening Southwest, we'd yeah. love we'd love a nice so, nice sponsorship to break this podcast right. in two, so I can go to the bathroom. Right. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So let let's read these tweets real quick, and then we'll let you go to the bathroom. Yep. So Allegiant Stadium at Allegiant Stadium on Twitter tweeted out coming suit hashtag the Raiders are coming. They had a nice graphic there of what it looks like. Here are some of the reply tweets. Mm-hmm. I hate the name. This beautiful building deserves better. Eh, kind of weak. But it gets better. This is not good. Allegiant Airlines is the absolute crap of all airlines. And then they at Raiders, at Raiders, at Allegiant Stadium, at Allegiant. And then we have another one. I hate at Allegiant. Worst airline possible to represent such a great organization. Uh, if the This is great. If the opposing team flies Allegiant to the game, the Raiders will win by forfeit because your <laughs> flights are never on oh. time. So I, I think the way that we can prove this because... If Allegiant is smart, they realize that the most influential people in the world are podcasters. I'm a podcaster. I think that what they should do is, for a calendar year, let us fly. Let us fly as a team. You know, we'll let us sit in different spots, send us to different places, mm. fly us around, and then we will come back on the podcast because people listen to us. We are very influential. Yes, if you're listening. And we will give an unbiased opinion. I like that. I like it too, right? It makes sense. Hey, if they're willing to put their name on a stadium for for a couple decades yes. at that rate, uh, they they're I think they're open to trying you know audacious things. Yes, different I, things. I totally agree. So those tweets are hilarious. So, I mean, what's going to be in this stadium? I heard. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but for these suites, and that's the biggest thing that we're going to talk about in all oh, these yeah. stadiums. The suites get keep getting more and more luxurious, yep. right? Especially in big markets. Mm-hmm. But and then are, are there going to be, like like are there going to be like craps tables and like blackjack and stuff like that in these suites? Are there going to be like gambling? Are, are there going to be things like that in in these suites? I suppose it's not out of the realms of possibility. I mean, it is and Vegas. I, I think the infrastructure is going to be there. 
Um, I hesitate to say that as a blanket term, you bet you'll be able to um, throw a 20 on red on your way to get a beer b- between this first and second quarter. Yeah. Uh, but I only put a put a you know kind of a an asterisk on that because I much like how the the Chick Fil A in Atlanta's new stadium isn't opened for most of their games. Right. Um. I don't think for the NFL games this is obviously somewhat but different for the NFL games. I don't think I think they'll be very vigilant of making sure. Hey, we know where we are. We know where we're close to. But in this NFL shank sanctioned. Shield run building. Right, protect the shield. Uh, protect the shield. There'll be no gambling here. But that's not to say with the bowl games that are moving there, yeah. the Pac-12 championships, 2020 and 2021. Yeah, the NCAA you, you think is about you know intercollegiate you know amateurism, but it's all about making money. So you just never know. They might be a little bit more lax and look the other way if one of these premium areas. You know, I I have imagined with the Vegas money, one of these premium areas where like these just these like you know holes pop out in the in the in the floor and up comes these tables and these dealers are already sitting there like a cartoon or something. But it's not out of the realms of possibility. And again, it may not be something that happens soon, but it, it definitely is probably gonna ha- be something that happens in our lifetime. And that's why I can only imagine and probably guarantee the building is being built in such a way where the infrastructure is there. All you need to do is bring in the tables, the chips, and the, the cards and everything else. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into the uh, the L.A. the L.A. stadiums, I'm about to see this is a big moment for me. I've always wanted to say this. I'm going to feel like I'm Bill Simmons right here. Let's take a break. All right. Let's talk about uh, SoFi. They landed the names rights deals for the uh, state beautiful stadium that's going to be out in L.A. for the L.A. Chargers and the L.A. Rams. So going back to that sports yeah. that sports uh, club that I'm in, Sports Business Scholars, we went out to L.A. for our outreach trip mm-hmm. two years ago. So this would have been 20 – We went. it was the school year 2017-2018, and it was really cool. So we were supposed to go in December right after finals, but that's when all those fires were going on. So we decided to reschedule, and it actually worked out well. So we went in February. One, we got to miss, miss class, and <laughs> two, it was the same weekend – of NBA All-Star that was oh, in great. L.A. So it was super cool. So we're there, you know, in L.A. Live around Staples Center, and, you know, there's ESPN and all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, even it the ancillary was, events for All-Star, they beat yeah. up their their events very well. It was awesome, and then you see all the banners of the players everywhere. It was, yeah. just, it was just really cool. But we met with the L.A. Rams, and it was perfectly Hollywood because even for us crusty college kids, they put on a show when we went and came mm-hmm. and visited them. I mean, it was beautiful. The... The video presentation, I mean, everything. And their office was amazing. We had lunch there. And, you know, you, you step outside. You know, they of course, they have a little outside patio area. And you look out, and there's the Hollywood sign. Perfect. I mean, it's perfectly. Yeah, perfectly, their offices are up there. Yeah. Yeah, perfectly California, perfectly Hollywood. It was amazing. And then, so the video presentation was amazing. And then what we saw was, you know, this 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 mock-up, right? You know, this this little building, you know, just the whole the whole space, the whole idea. Cool? You know, here's the stadium. I mean, this is it's gonna be in Inglewood. They're gonna have to name this new Inglewood. Like they <laughs> it's gonna have a yeah. it, it should have its own area code like between the condos, the apartments, hotels, restaurants, entertainment yep. that goes along with this beautiful stadium. Yeah. I mean it's gonna be uh it's gonna be incredible there. Twenty year deal for SoFi, four hundred million dollars and I mean, they're going to get 16 home games a year between those two yeah. teams. I mean, that's that's amazing. And, you know, w- what I think is going to be so awesome about the stadium, you know, they don't need a roof. It's L.A., but 
you know, it's going to be college football playoff is already going to be out there. Of Super course, Bowl is Super going to be Bowl, out there. Yeah. 2028 opening and closing ceremonies, Olympics, and mm-hmm. Final Four. It's going to be a Final Four destination, too, without a doubt, I think. So, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be everything. I, I can't imagine. And I'm kind of – I'm not worried about the Rams because they're on the up and up. McVay, you know, they're – you know, they're sort of the sort of the warriors, you know, the sort of the, you know, the young team, you know, they're their cutting edge, all, all this kind of stuff. But I'm sort of worried about the Chargers because they don't even really, you know, they're, they're going to be on the decline. Philip Rivers is going to be done soon. Um, <laughs> what not, about their running backs? Yeah, they're, they're good yeah, guys. Right. But I mean, they don't even fill up that soccer stadium they're playing in right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. Like 20,000 people. Yeah. I think uh, it's been it's been really a tepid uh introduction to uh, LA and, and a really, you know, I, I wouldn't say unwelcome start, but it's, it's just been really apathetic. I mean, there's so many factors at play here. Yeah. Um, there is the faction of folks who from Tijuana up to Santa Barbara, who were Chargers fans that don't agree with the move. Let's start with those fans. So there's fans who, um, like them being the San Diego Chargers they, they, they like being out of the shadow of L.A. They liked, uh, you know, tailgating um, at San Diego County Credit Union Stadium's facilities. I've never been there, but Qualcomm. I've been by it. They actually they have, like, space around it, right? Oh, I mean, gosh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, because yeah. they probably really, they have really like to that. build a new stadium someday yeah. and bulldoze the other and, yeah. and do exactly what they're doing in Inglewood, not to the scope, right. but mixed use, development, whatever else. So there's, there's those people. There's the people who are your... You know, your casual football fans who can put their arms around a team and be welcoming. But guess what? The natural inclination is to do that with the L.A. Rams, who the, the name kind of rings off, you know, you know, rolls off the tongue, even though you and I grew up with the St. Louis Rams, because right. before that they were the L.A. Rams. Yeah. So in a lot of cases, some people's fathers or mothers or grandmothers or, or uncles would be tuning into St. Louis Rams games, remembering the days of old. Or even if they totally just, you know, disavowed the team, when they come back, they can just dust off all the stuff that they gave yeah. away in 1994. There's that faction of it. And, you know, I think for my money, um, there's so much going on. And with, with, with USC's reach and UCLA's reach historically, LA is a big enough town to support two NFL teams on paper. But in just the manner in which it happened, it's just it's just bad timing because, you know, it'd be one thing if the Chargers waited three years, five years, ten years. And, oh, by the way, while they were moving in, if the Rams were in disrepair and McVay had left years ago and Goff had retire, retired years ago, it would be something else because it would be the shiny new, new object. But, I mean... It's kind of like if I went to the store and just bought a brand new iPhone yeah. and then also just bought like a Samsung Galaxy, I just don't need the Samsung Galaxy. And right. the iPhone's better. Yeah. So it's it's just it's really it's really tricky. That's why I think they're not selling out um the uh the Dignity Health Sports Park uh for all their <laughs> games. And I think that's why they're gonna they're gonna have some challenges. And you know, there's 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 different ways that these deals can go. You could you could do a whole podcast series on the deal that the the Clippers and the Lakers have. Right. Uh also the deal between um the Jets and the Giants with MetLife. Um but I can tell you that the economic windfall that the Chargers you know, um, you know, vanity-wise, you think they'd receive by playing there, playing in such a large media market, playing in this beautiful stadium, it, it's, it's not going to be so. Because, you know, every 
sellable space of wall, to use a term, that that's going to be in that building is going to be sold and curated and 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 earned on by the ramps. Right. And that that's that's already been decided. There are so many things about this deal that make them a here today, gone tomorrow, John Bon Jovi, they parachute in and they plan, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing about it that is just reckless in my opinion. And I think that um, you know, I don't know what the deal is between their owner Dean Spanos and and the city of San Diego that made it, made him leave. I mean, obviously I've read the stories that just say he wanted a new stadium. They said no. He left. But I mean, there's uh, you know, there's 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 some pieces there that just make people upset. I mean, he's the son of 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 Alex Spanos, obviously, who bought the team. So there's that family lineage there. Right. And it's just I don't know. It's they. I'm really excited for for the stadium, and I don't have a dog in the fight. But I hope because it's not even necessary. I hope the Chargers find you know, a, a gainful fan base somewhere. I mean, if if they were smart, they'd move up to Oakland or yeah. or they'd move back down to San Diego as soon as San Diego State does some things with, with what they're trying to do with the, a reclamation project. I, I, I don't know, really know what their plan is. Yeah, and and th- this was one thing I was thinking about when I was reading the article and thinking about the, the L.A. Chargers. And so many people, and, you know, maybe it's just because, you know, we grew up with the St. Louis or with the, excuse me, we grew up with the St. Louis Rams, right. and we know them, and I know them as the St. Louis Rams, except yep. for the last few years, and you know, obviously grew up with the San Diego Chargers, but I've never stumbled on and gone back and called the Rams St. Louis, and but all the time I still call the Chargers the San Diego That's Chargers. That's a great point. And, I, great point. and not only do I do that, but I hear people on different podcasts, on different TV shows that have that were alive and know the L.A. Rams, but they but they still slip up on the Chargers. I think it's because, well, one, I, I when I think about the L.A. Rams, right, you know, they, they have a new beginning here. They're good, and they wear those old school. I don't know what it is, but when they wear those old school jerseys, yeah. it, it, it just kind of fits yeah. L.A. Have for me. the Coliseum, me. it fits. And the, and, and, yeah, I, I think it it's going to be weird Coliseum. to see when they leave the Coliseum. No, I think so, too. I absolutely think so, too. I think it's, like, too much, even though, you know, they're they're cutting, you know, and see, the Rams fit in this new luxurious stadium, right? Yep. They're cutting edge. They got this, you know, you know the, the, the sexy team. They got the quarterback. They got the coach. And, but then what I'm worried about stadiums is, you know, is, is – um, you know, for Oakland, you think about that fan base, you know, the black and gray, them moving to Vegas. I think Vegas works, but this luxurious stadium, I think, will be a little bit weird also, kind of going back yeah. to, to the Raiders. Because I think, you know, the whole black hole, you know, it's going to be like, you almost kind of think like, you know, they're not going to play baseball there, but should they put the baseball field down for the first half of the season <laughs> just because? Wow. How about that? I kind of like that. Yeah, why not, or, right? Or remember my projection mapping idea? Why yes. Why don't you just projection yes. map it down with the first down Let's marker? The football. No, it's a good point. And, and here's, you know, we talked a lot about you know, all these callbacks. We talked a lot about the All-Star game, mm-hmm. the NBA All-Star game. Fill in the blank. I don't care if it's the Pro Bowl, the Major League Baseball All-Star game, or the NBA All-Star game. If, you, if anyone's ever been to an event like that, the uh, the atmosphere is flat out weird. I wish I had a better yeah. word for it, but it's weird. There is a buzz. There's a level of importance. Everyone who's there feels privileged to be so, but there's ba- barely anybody with a rooting interest. First of right. all, you're never going to find someone who says, my favorite team is the West or the East or whatever else, or the AFC or the NFC. Unless they're that dickhead that plays with them on 2K all the time. Which is totally <laughs> unfair. Totally unfair. Yeah. Um, and uh, by the way, I got 2K20. 
it's good stuff. Awesome. You gotta, you gotta come I'm gonna check it. it. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, no, so so first of all, there's no rooting interest. Yes. Second of all, a lot of the crowd is very corporate. These yeah. are, you know, 200 people from Kia who have been flown in from all around the world to yep. watch the game. Some of them don't even make it to their seats because they're in their, these premium areas. Right. Um, there's all sorts of people who, at, at its very best, ooh and ah instead of clap and cheer. Right. No standing, whatever else. And by the way, the Super Bowl's like that too. I've been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. It's a little always, like that. And I say the same thing for the college football. Like, I, you know, the college football playoff is great. It shows up. But I but I almost get intrigued by the expanded playoffs just thinking about a postseason game being in Columbus at the Horseshoe sure. or being in Tuscaloosa or oh, being gosh. in Baton yeah. Rouge. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, you know what? The I think it takes away paper, from it. The idea on paper is great, but... The college football is so broken. I would never want that to happen. Would right. run against it every time because, as if the Ohio States and the and the Alabamas need an advantage, but right. with an NFL style thing, it works. These these AFC and NFC championship games are hosted at the sites. Yep. You know they could go neutral if they wanted, but they never would. But no, you're you're totally correct. So why do I bring all that up? Well, the Oak the uh, sorry the Las Vegas <laughs> Stadium. Allegiant Stadium is going to be like that, and it's going to be like that for years. Mm-hmm. I don't mean five. I don't mean 10. I don't even mean 20, because if this market that we're living in now, Phoenix, has taught us one thing, it takes decades and generations to wipe out, for example, Cubs fans and Dodgers fans and Giants God. fans to make them Diamondbacks fans. Right. I think it's going to take a while for the Las Vegas Raiders. And so these crowds are going to be inherently quiet inherently disinterested mm-hmm. and inherently um you know neutral mm-hmm. for years and years and years and years right. and years and even when that Raiders fan base does does grow there right i think it's going to be still be uh, a really corporate crowd because the casinos are going to control you just look at it like a pie a round pie that it kind of looks like anyway the casinos are going to dice that up and probably already have as far as yeah. suite licenses amount of seats they've purchased and um, it, it's going to be just a weird crowd. Yeah, yeah. That, that perfectly segues. I want to talk about the Chase Center with the Warriors because yeah. I have a lot of ideas, you know, them being San Francisco, Sil- Silicon Valley. Yeah. So first off, um, as a Cavs, are they getting rid of Oracle? Are they tearing that down? Or have they torn that down? You I know, I, Oakland has been really prickly, the city of Oakland, yeah. about about the, the Warriors leaving. Right. And um I That's another big dynamic. Because Oakland's like the like the you know the little brother that, you know, you know the one brother the, town. W- w- the it's the one brother that moved to New York was super successful and the one brother who never left town and he's kind of a fixture at the local yeah. bar, you know, kind of big brother, little brother. Yeah. One really successful one that's still kind of absolutely in the dumps dynamic. Yeah, there. oh absolutely um it's like a Cinderella, you know, you know stepsister kind of yeah. kind of thing. Um no, so uh, with the with the Chase Center, or with Oracle, I should say, um, Oracle was mad about the Warriors leaving. Oakland's mad about it, and I've even heard about reclamation projects and continuing to pump infrastructure and, and dollars into Oracle to try to keep concerts and certain events that are on the books there keep right. them from Chase Center. And you know that's pie in the sky. Yeah. But if Chase Center really wants to maximize profits with how much it costs. Or well, how much it costs to build and how much it's going to cost to operate. Um, there are some things that Oracle can keep because of, of of things that they can offer, being a smaller venue or a venue that doesn't have so much writing on the bottom line. That I think it'll take a, a, a you know somewhat sizable cut in what Chase Center is trying to do. Now, how how sizable 
not enough to make the Warriors bummed that they ever left because they never will be. But, you know, if it's like, you know, Puma decides they're going to make basketball shoes and they yank away a couple of Nike's athletes, Nike's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll have to just, you know, do this instead of that. I, th- I think it's not going to break them, as I mentioned, but I think that they're going to keep Oracle in its, in, its, in its oldest form. Okay, that's good, because as a Cavs fan, that's like a monument for me. I, I, I just want to go out there and take, you know, I, I will fly out to San Francisco just to go to Oracle, take a picture, and jump on a red-eye home. I, that, that'd yeah. be something I would do, even I, though I can't go see a I game wanna there. I want to kiss the plexiglass that LeBron blocked uh, Andre Iguodala's leg oh my, off of. Oh, beautiful. Oh, my God, I'd make sweet sensual love to that, to, to that. okay right. now we're going a different way here but okay so one thing with the chase center that i thought was so impressive and i, I want to talk to you about and you know is not one public dollar is being spent on this all privately raised now is is, is this something is this you know a special circumstance because it is silicon valley their owner and you know is who is who their owner is and has all these contacts and there's so, you know, everyone wants to be, you know, sort of part of the part of the Warriors because they've been so successful, cutting edge, all that kind of stuff. And then you look here, I was just reading an article the other day here in Phoenix, there's a lot of renovations, a lot of upgrades that need to be made to Talking Stick. Um, but it, it's looking like the public is going to have to take on a lot of yeah. that, a lot of that money. Yeah. Now, is it because San Francisco is able to do that and Phoenix can't? Or is, or is the ownership different? Like, could, could Phoenix... Maybe not, you know, 100% privately owned or, or privately raised money, but, you know, could Phoenix, could, could, you know, the ownership group, could they put together better efforts so that the public would have to take on less? I believe that they could. I believe that in this case and in this market, they don't have to. So they shouldn't. I mean, so if, you, if you're on the side of, of, of capitalism, if they can, that's great. If they don't have to. And they shouldn't. Right? Why would? Um, but if if um, if the if the legislature, the city people who um, are you know intertwined with Phoenix, were were against it enough and voted not to give public money, release public funds to help renovate the arena, it wouldn't be happening. And what the Suns would do then, I am not sure. Um, but in the Warriors' case, that that's kind of a, a yes and a no proposition. They, they're able to do that because it is Silicon Valley, but I think they're also choosing to do that because of who their owners are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's there's something to be said for going all in and, and putting their chips all in, which I think they're doing. Um, but I think, you know, whatever cards you might associate in the deck to Steph Curry and to Clay Thompson and the Warriors' circular branded logo and their, their, their trophies they won the last couple of years – Think of those as the best cards. Let's let's call them all aces that they have that they can go all in on and say, this is not going to fail because of of how what the economic, you know, impact is going to be on doing this ourselves. You know, if I were San Francisco, I'd want to be in on it because 100%. I think they could be making money to clean up their dirty streets, for yeah. example. But it, it but I know they have other things to fo- to focus on and whatever else. But no, I think. I think the Warriors, I, I think it's a great gamble, and I even think the Suns could gamble that way if they want because, like I said, there's there's things that go on with the Suns' partnership with Phoenix where everything that the, every sign, <clears throat> excuse me, that the Suns sell within the arena, a portion of that <clears throat> revenue goes to the city of Phoenix. Oh, really? And if you cut out the middleman at some point, 
or you cut out the person who you you know cut out the, the banker or the person who kind of has a lien on what you're doing you can spend that money to do other things whether it's you know build practice facilities which they're going to do anyway or buy better players become the warriors and off we go um obviously the market uh size is different san francisco um you know is, is way different with silicon valley down the road and phoenix is you know a little bit more of a, of a desert outpost there still but in my humble opinion if 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 they woke up one morning asked their banks for the loans we all know they could get them they could build a taj mahal on that those grounds are somewhere else and, and make people very happy, including their players, who in turn are your, your biggest asset because they're the ones who are going to be living there, playing there, enjoying their time there, and hopefully winning there. Right. And, and as we've talked about corporations, premium areas, all that kind of stuff that kind of segues into this, do you think teams, and, and especially I look at the teams, especially like the Lakers in L.A., the Knicks in New York, and now the Warriors in San Francisco, big markets, and there's a lot of stuff around. Obviously in L.A., entertainment there's movie studios everywhere they like sports they you know they they work in more and more with these athletes now in new york there's finance there's entertainment there and then obviously tech huge san francisco do you think that kind of the the smartest move and and i I want to talk about golden state specifically because if i'm golden state I, i think like this we can make these suites super expensive because, you know, we have all this tech here. They want to be a part of it. They, they want to be at the games. And if they want to be closer to the floor, well, that, that's fine. You know, they don't have the, the, the suite and everything brought there. But then, you know, you know, even in Cleveland, right, if you have, a, you know, specific tickets, they, that comes with access to premium areas, yep, yep. the bars, lounges, Name of the game whatever. These days. Yes. So, and especially with the Warriors, I feel like, you know, you know if, I, if I'm them, you know, it's one thing, you know, you don't want to miss out and be so expensive, even if, you know, your, your cheapest ticket, right? You don't want it to be so expensive, even though, you know, people will still come that, you know, your, your family, you know, that your family that comes to a game and maybe can only afford to go one game a year because it's expensive, but you want to, you know, keep on those fans because as big of a market as they are, you know, that's been a basketball town and they've been really supportive and really loyal. And there's real true basketball fans there outside of, you know, all the people that just want, you know, more so the business ventures first, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm guessing what I'm saying, the model is, you know, the cheaper tickets, you know, keep those at an affordable price. But because of what you're around and what you have, you know, you're you're close to the floor and your suites make those really expensive. But, you know, make sure that the perks live up yeah. to that price. Is, is that kind of a model that a lot of the teams and, you know, across all sports, do you think that's something that, Makes sense to them and that they're looking at and they're, you know, kind of putting putting into place. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't think that that's something that they feel like they're able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't think it's something that they feel that they, like they're responsible to do. Right. Um, basically, it, it can go somewhat like this. You know, they're going to charge market pricing with these um, club areas that are commensurate to other buildings around the league whether it's in Milwaukee or one of these other new arenas, and they're probably going to charge, you know, probably one and a half to two X. Uh, and that's because of where they are. Right. That's because of the winning. And that's because, and I hate to just use this, but they can and they will and they do. Yeah. And so that's the club area. So they're going to charge the two X and that kind of brings in. hundred percent. And into I'm, your and point I'm with about, that, okay, that. well, if they charge so much there, can they give Joe public the opportunity to still be that fan? I think in theory they can, but here's why they, they just won't. 
It doesn't matter what the last seat in uh, the Chase Center upper deck costs. It's going to be purchased 100 times over. There's going to be a wait list. They don't, probably don't have a season ticket um, staff that needs to sell them. And then it's going to be sold on the secondary market. So if they drive a, uh, a upper bowl ticket in the last row that's $90 down all the way 45 all that does is it just – um, it, it just hurts the ticket brokers, which is, is a nice attaboy for, uh, it's like, it's like sticking it to the man, Yeah. but it just, in some ways it makes it more rampant because then you're building, instead of building in the incumbent price and making that $45, just going to be made on the street. So right. what more and more of these teams are focusing on and you see the tweets, you see the infrastructure, you see the jobs coming up on teamwork to, uh, online, they're beefing up their community outreach efforts. And this is not the same at all, but they're saying, okay, if, you know, Joe Public and his family of four can't get out to see the Warriors because, A, they've been priced out, and B, you know, again and again and again, and B, you know, it's just it's just unaffordable, we're going to do community outreach, you know, you know, um, uh, trips or, or events where they're going to be at your church or they're going to be in your community center or they're going to, you know, redo a park or they're going to build a, pro, a, a playground. The NBA has in their collective bargaining agreement, you know, amount of hours that all these players need to accrue built in. Right. Oh, by the way, even though they have to accrue these hours, they still get paid. And so oh, yeah. that that's that's kind of be going to always be the model to kind of connect with the fans at that level. Because as bad as it sounds, they don't really need Joe Public. They need no. you know, if the number is seventeen thousand eight hundred and forty-two seats, whatever it is, that's how many they need, and they know they're going to get it. They also need a guy like Steph Curry to be, you know, well-liked, to play well, to have television shows, to have a wife who's in the public eye, because that's going to sell them merchandise and apparel. It's going to be someone they can put on, um, you know, uh, presentations to these corporate sponsors where, by the way, they're not only just selling locally in San Francisco or nationally, these big brands, but they're selling internationally. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, Mars Incorporated might be putting their name, their patch on, on the Warriors someday, trying to get people to go to a different planet. That's how much money that they can, they can, uh, they can, you know, demand. And, you know, one thing that's interesting about that is um, Rakuten is owned by a company owned by Joseph Tsai, who owns the Brooklyn Nets. So there's all this stuff going on always about, you know, infighting and whatever else. And, you know, at this point, that's one of those things where Rakuten could tell the Warriors, hey, we don't want to put our patch on, their jer- on your jersey anymore. And I think they'd be doing them a favor because, you know, who knows what market pricing is now compared to what it was a couple of years ago. So I, I, I feel bad for, for, for Joe Public and, and, you know, diehard fan, but especially in an NBA building where it's half the size of, of buildings of, of right. commensurate sports. It's just going to be tougher and tougher in those markets to get a ticket. And you know something else? The Suns haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even win 20 games last year. They're almost completely sold out this year. Really? What people have told me. I mean, think of it this way. Season ticket-wise? Um, no, no. Well, in a way, yes. But no, so not season ticket-wise, but with season tickets and then single game. So oh. if, you, if you take the season ticket base being 68 72% of, of amount of seats available, mm-hmm. that other 20 30%. Um, uh, that, uh, that single game and those are getting scooped up because, you know, Phoenix is an interesting market, but it's a, it's a, it's a cold weather sport. It's more white collar. There's nothing to do in the fall and winter. 
It's a date sport. It's a corporate sport. It's indoors. You don't get dirty. There's no sun. Right. So you know the NBA is is really doing well. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of attendance, and you know, there's all sorts and of and the things. players are so recognizable. You know, they don't have helmets on, they Bingo. don't have hats on, and, and then they're celebrities. And Bingo. All these guys are business savvy. You know, they're in movies, TV shows, podcasts. I 100%. mean, everyone knows these guys. Hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah, you know, there's inherent challenges with every league, and they all get shit on for different reasons. Uh, but think about it. Do you ever hear or read a story that says, "Is the NBA having an attendance problem?" Nope. Never. Nope. No. So not at all. It's just it's just not one of their inherent issues. So yeah, yeah. The the NBA is powerful, and well, that that's good to hear about the Suns. I'm I'm excited for that. I always yeah. go and see my Cavs when they're out here in in April. That's just the thing. Yeah. That's what people are doing. They're going yeah. to see their other teams. But right. I think this this fan base it just needs to be awoken mm-hmm. um, because I've witnessed it. It's very tippy top, and you know I talked about um, all the Dodgers, Giants, and Cubs fans here. Uh, there's it's easy to find. Uh, Cowboys fans yep. here and and you know New York Rangers and LA Kings fans here for hockey but um if 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 encouraged if excited if provoked in a good way this the Suns team has been here for 52 years yeah this is a Suns town for sure um and they just need something that's to cheer about and I think that they'll be they'll be back from a from a fan engagement standpoint, if they get back to that on on the court, yeah, and and I hope so. I always used to remember staying up late back in Ohio, you know, get done watching, you know, the Cavs and whoever who was the ever, you know, the East Coast game, the early, earlier game on TNT, and then then all of a sudden here would here would come the intro, they fade in, you know, you see the beautiful, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, it's dark out, yeah. yeah, it's the U.S. Airways and it's the all glass front, and I always used to think, Whoa, that, that's so cool. Did that impact you coming out here at all? Like even in um, a minor way? I mean, was it was there like a faction of a lot of things, including just knowing that this is a mecca for sports? Yeah. So the reason I came out here was I wanted to go to a big school, but I didn't want to go to Ohio State. I didn't want to feel like I was going. To high school for four more years. I, got it. I, I didn't want, you know, to get, I didn't think that I would, but I didn't want to get trapped in just to, and as much as I like, you know, a couple of the good friends I still have from my hometown, I just really felt like I had a bigger calling to get out and do something different. And like you said, it's a Mecca for sports. I thought about, you know, if I want to get involved in sports quicker, just because there's more opportunity, I thought this would be a great place. There's, there's golf, there's spring training. We have, you know, the Cardinals, the Coyotes, the uh, the Suns, the Diamondbacks. So we have pro teams here. Phoenix Open, NASCAR. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much. Bowl games. That, yeah. that, and, yes, bowl games, Super Bowl. So, you know, there's seasonal stuff. You know, there's stuff that's year-round. Oh, yeah. I, I just thought there was a ton of opportunity out here. And, like, I keep mentioning sports business scholars, but I actually did – my research looking, you know, and and I saw Sports Business Association, Sports Business Scholars, so I knew about those clubs before I even stepped on campus, before I even applied, and I was just like, hey, this could be a good opportunity. This would allow me to to get involved early, and even though I'm not, ultimately don't want to go the sports business route, I want to go the more, you know, digital media route, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff, more stuff that I'm, that I'm doing right now, like with the podcast, um, you know, I still wouldn't be in doing the things that I think that I would be, and I wouldn't have the different perspective on right. things if I was still in Ohio. I needed to get out and kind of kind of broaden things. And as much I I love Ohio as much as the next guy, I'll talk about it <laughs> for hours. I love it. I'm so glad I grew up there, and it's always going to be home for me. But ultimately, for what I want to do, I hope it's just a place that I go back to visit. Um, that's not where you know ultimately I want to live because I think for what I want to do, the opportunity is 
you know, places like here, places yeah. like New York City, places like L.A. That's ultimately where I hope to be. Yeah. Well, you know, sports shrinks the world and so yeah. does the media landscape because, 100%. you know, everyone, I think the, the, w- the reason why people reach out and, and try to be sports or are sports fans is not only a sense of belonging, but also a sense of being aware mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, being in sports media or digital media kind of ke- encompasses all that and it keeps it all together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Joey, this has been really fun. Awesome. Th- thanks for coming in. I think this is, the, this is the longest one I think I that had I've had. A, I was afraid of that was going to be the case. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Two Simmons fans, you know, yeah. that's what's going to happen. That's right. He just gets going and, and talking. Did you listen to, uh, he had Sean Penn on not too long ago. Did you listen to that? You know, that's in, in the last 25 of them. That's the only one I haven't heard. Yeah. Um, and it was I, good. And I, I, I'm just so sports centric that I, I didn't know that I'd glean much from it. Uh-huh. Um, but he, he, he is. He's uh, the such a good interviewer. He's the godfather of podcasts. Oh gosh, he, yeah. He's he's amazing and yeah, like I said he was um well my my true it's a funny story we were kind of talking before we got going about like what was my inspiration to get into media. It was actually a guy I actually did a tribute for him um not last episode but the one before, the guy who really inspired me and made me love sports and media. Um he just recently suddenly passed away, Fred McLeod who calls uh-huh. Cavs play by play. I used to. Um, uh, the season's just gonna suck without him this year. I'm really, uh, really, yeah, really, really sad about it. And you know, like you mentioned, you know, with Herm Edwards, you know, you know, I was watching Fred when I was coming home from practice and you know making dinner for myself, and it, it was like losing a friend or a family member. Oh, you know, gosh, he, he's yeah. in the living room every night, and you know, you look at back at you know his call from you know Game Seven. Obviously, they they didn't broadcast it because it's national media. You know, ABC from the finals, but he has a historical call because he's from Strongsville he's an Ohio kid so Cavs fan and he finally works his way back home and yeah was there for all those seasons and he passed away but I used to literally when I would play NBA 2k be in the basement by myself and I used to put it on mute and commentate the game like I was him like totally steal his calls and, and everything but yeah um so he was like so yeah that's um that was like the guy that really made me. I mean, it's, it's a guy. Do this. It's a guy who can be your true north, and and a, and a guy who can get you there in a way. You know, I think what what you're doing with this is great, and all all, all the on camera stuff, and you know, you just need reps, you need yeah. opportunity, um, you need to have something that's unique, and I think that the the uniqueness about you is birthed through your passion first and foremost, but also just through. You just need to you just need to find it. You know, up at the plate, getting those reps. So yeah. Yeah, keep that's at it. That's such a Simmons man. thing. He always says it. What are you talking about? Like Nate Burleson? He goes, Yeah, he's on this morning NFL show. You know, no one watched, but he's getting reps. He's getting good. Exactly. That's such a Well, I and that's what it. he wanted to do when he was on Countdown, which I know yeah. was a dream for him because yeah. I always think about the new stuff that guys like him do. And it's like, what does the guy want or what do you give the guy who has everything, right? Yeah. Well, there's nothing that, that could be left to be desired with Bill Simmons at the time, but. You know, he watches NBA Countdown like the rest of us and says, I want to do that someday or I could do that. Yeah. And then he gets the opportunity. So even at that age and at that, you know, mystique uh, and and scope, he st- was still trying new things at ESPN. And now he gets to call his own shots at the ringer. I think right. that's everybody's he, he, dream. Yeah, I mean, he when he talks about ESPN, obviously he had Grantland there. He's like, we did a lot of great things. You know, Grantland, ESPN 30 for 30. But he goes, you know, I was there, you know, what was he there, a little over 10 years or 15 years, whatever it was. Yeah. But but he talks about it. He goes, you know, for a place like ESPN, for a guy like me, you know, who's creative and wants to get outside the box, he was like, you know, it was kind of surprising and actually 
uh, you know, that that it lasted that that long. I mean, it was great yeah. for he goes, it was great for what it was, and he's super thankful about it. But ultimately, doing what he does at the Ringer is you know his ultimate calling and where he's at his best. Right. No, I totally agree. And uh, you know, good good on him because he's doing what he he's living the dream that we're all after, right? Yeah. Cool. You, you know who I'm. Even I keep dragging this on, but another ring, he, former ESPN guy, now ringer guy, who I'm even a bigger fan of is. Do you listen to Rosillo? Religiously. Oh, he's the best. I, I, I listen. He used to get me through when I was waiting around for two a days, like just dreading it. I'm watching him <laughs> at SVP. I mean, I freaking love that guy. He is so funny, uh, unbelievable too, and just the biting sense of sarcasm. Yeah, and the, the, when the, the Boston comes the, out, the just the the ability and the 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 constant fallback on just being like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah. That's kind of his, his, his bent. Right. His, his deal is just like, chill out, bro. You're not that cool. I'm yeah. not that cool. We're all, none of us are that cool. Yeah. No, he's incredible. In fact, his, his, on his pod today is Simmons. I haven't listened to it. Yet. I, I just saw it. Cause it was yeah. supposed to go up yesterday. Yeah. I was so excited when he went to the ringer because it was like the ESPN was so sporadic. It was just like, when's it coming yeah. out? So you know what I, I was, heard? I heard that his deal was, was so big. There and a lot, lot of facets to it that that uh, there are enough people pissed off about how much money he was getting paid. That's why the ringer unionized. Really? That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if I'm breaking news on the podcast. Wow. Not that I care. Yeah. Come after me. Yeah. Well, well, that'll have to be a part two. That'll be of a conversation later. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but people love him. People love listening to him. He's he's great. I mean, I found myself. Um, you know, if I ran out of stuff to listen to, I'd go back in Simmons' archives. Anytime I saw Rosilla was on, 100%. Boom. Oh, I would go back and have a good one with t- uh, the night the Tiger won the Masters back yeah. in April. Yeah. It's so good. And they're making fun of people. Um, they're making fun of the guys like the Skip Baylesses or, yeah. or whoever who, who always zig when everyone else is zagging. Right. And like, is Tiger winning the Masters bad for golf? Yeah, right. And I just love that because yeah. they're, they're, they're able to make fun of each other. Right. And they're able to make fun of, uh, of themselves, but they. You know, to use a millennial term, they keep everybody woke. Right. It's like, hey, like, we're, yeah. we're going to call you out on, yeah. on your stuff when you yeah. do it. So. And, and the best thing about them, I can't, it's the best 20 weeks or whatever, however long it is, where they they did it last year. And I love how they call it hoops because I call it hoops too. Yeah, exactly. And love that. But I love, did you, when obviously you listened, but when he came on that whole NBA stretch through yeah, July. Yeah, twice a week. Yeah, it was like twice a week or every Monday or yeah. whatever it was. And I'm like, I can't get enough of this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, these guys, basketball, just gurus. I mean, that they're about as good at recognizing stuff and talking hoops as it is for non-players. And they're even better than some players who actually play just because they're able to articulate things better. 100%. I mean, they're 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 just it really, really good. It is their gift. Yep. And maybe it's because they're both yep. New England guys. They click so well. Right. But, man, they, they've got it going. And yeah. and good on Rosillo for, for going somewhere where he can be creative. Right. And be, he's still able be to do his writing odd. stuff. Because yeah, yeah. he's, he's a little out there. He and, is. Because you know, Simmons is, too. Well, that's um, why he wants to be a screenwriter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I He's think, disturbed in some way. Oh, he, I know. Yeah. <laughs> he, enough. Yeah, he's... He's he's been scorned enough that he could do it. But laying no. the sheetrock with pops back in uh, what were he uh, Martha's Vineyard? Yeah, yeah. 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 that's yep. my horrible Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, Boston exactly, accent. exactly. And they <laughs> and they riff on that a lot too. But those so guys good. are. I mean, if we can all if if, if we we could ascend to the levels that those guys are at, then I'd sign up for that any day. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And last, and I think their last thing that their their balance is so good because Simmons 
is still I, what I love about Simmons is he's totally against the grain. He's the guy in the media that's a fan, yeah, oh gosh, and doesn't yeah. give a shit. Like he's like Celtics, Patriots. Like I love him. I'm gonna push him he on was you. Just talking about that a couple pods ago. I can't remember yeah. who he was talking to, but he's like everyone was giving me a hard time because I'm talking about this. I'm writing about the Celtics and I'm a fan. It's like why wouldn't I want to be a fan? Like yeah. it's a different perspective. Everybody yeah. else is doing you yeah. know one way, you do yeah. it the other way. So. And yeah, and Rosillo's not as tied in, but he still has the Boston. He's just it's just great. It, yeah. they're, they're just perfect. That's all that can be said about that. So awesome. Well, great. Thanks, Joey. Joey, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay, so hope you enjoyed that sit down with Joey Ortigue. And now it is the moment you've all been waiting for. It is time for my complaint of the week. And as always, our proud presenting sponsor, my therapist. So, my complaint of the week, unless you're an actual public figure or a celebrity, do not turn to your Instagram story to promote your new post. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, the people out there that you follow that aren't getting it, or maybe it's you, hopefully it's not, but maybe it is you. You're not getting enough love on the gram, not getting enough likes, enough interactions, enough impressions, so you have to stoop to the lowest levels of posting your most recent post to your story saying, new post, go show it some love, go show my new post some love. I hate this. I am a thousand percent more likely to unfollow you rather than go like your most recent post when I see it on your story. And chances are, if we've inter- if you're one of these people and we've interacted in the past like face-to-face and I was nice to you, just know that it probably wasn't genuine. I see it. I don't like it. It's the worst. And that's my complaint of the week. All right, everyone. So that does it for this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Until next time, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, enjoy this nice, smooth jazz. Talk to you next week. Mm